Welcome to Opposable Thumbs. Opposable Thumbs is a podcast where Taylor and Rob tackle a new creative challenge every two weeks and talk about our accomplishments, failures, and lessons learned. Survival is our challenge this episode. Thanks to uh, Melissa Potter for that challenge. And Jen Costillo and Alvaro Preto are our guests this episode. Greetings, Jen and Alvaro. Hi. Hello. My name is Rob Ray. I use the he, his gender pronoun. I'm a designer and run the exoskeleton art space here in Los Angeles. I'm Taylor Hokinson. I'm an artist, educator, CAD CAM evangelist, uh, he, his kind of guy, noted tall person. I'm Jen Castillo. You can ask me about my pronouns. Uh, I'm a firmware engineer who works primarily in wearables, but I've worked on some of your favorite and least favorite consumer products. I'm a co-host on the Unnamed Reverse Engineering Podcast. And in my optionally paid time, I dance and choreograph um, and also attempt to reverse engineer old electronics. But recently I've yes. started... Recently, I've started knitting. Uh, hi, I'm, I'm Alvaro. I'm a, a electrical engineer or slash firmware engineer. I do also co-host the Unnamed Reverse Engineering podcast. I like tinkering with electronics on the side, a little bit of reverse engineering. And um, the past couple of years, it's been a lot uh, of also exploring cheese making and mixing that with electronics. Ooh. Whoa. Yeah, nice. That's a combo I haven't heard of before. Is is there anything about cheese making that naturally go is it, it in terms of like uh timers and stuff like you're making yogurt or what's the what's the deal there? He's, he he does the whole thing. I designed a, a temperature and humidity uh sensor or well, set of sensors for monitoring on like a little fridge and then I control the fridge temperature as well and then I went as far as making the circuit boards cheese wedge shaped and colored and so it's it's just yeah, <laughs> excess yeah oh where do you get yellow i guess seed does yellow circuit boards right yeah a lot wait, of places wait. will do it yeah yeah i did yeah. a jlc pcb i think for those oh i've just been hearing about those folks are they manufactured in the states or outside the states no that's unfortunately that's outside uh, uh for most things i just use Oshpark, which is all u.s based mm-hmm. and like they're in oregon they're super close and they're Wonderful people. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah, I've, I found them also to be very open-handed with um, coupons. I don't know if you oh, explored yeah. that Coupons? Oh, well, you live in oh. Chicago, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the, you uh, know Drew. Hey, yeah. Hey, Drew's look at that. Yeah, one Drew, of the nicest Drew people. Fustini. Yes. <laughs> and he's the most prolific traveler I've seen. He just, I see him yeah. everywhere. Yeah, I saw him walking into Pumping Station 1, which is our big hacker space in Chicago, and he had like a... He looked like a pro football player with these giant chains of um, uh, uh, badge life PCBs hanging all over his neck because he was just coming back from DEF CON. Yeah, you guys did some reporting from DEF CON, if I'm not mistaken, right? Or at least somebody uh, went out to visit it? Uh, Supercon uh, for the Hackaday Supercon. I, I was at DEF CON, nope. and I brought yeah. all my recording gear, and then I didn't record anything. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think we pitched to do like a live taping there, but it fell through the cracks. Didn't work out. Would you guys yeah. recommend trying to get out there? Yes. Yeah, it's 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 a fun experience. Um, mm. I have been going. My first time, I was just turned eighteen. <laughs> this was back yeah. in two thousand six, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. Right out of high school, I went for a robotics contest at DefCon, and then I went back. Uh, Def that was DefCon fourteen, and then I've been back DefCon fourteen. I did twenty two, twenty three, twenty four, twenty six. Wow. Um, nice. And, and yeah, it's fun. it's very crowded now, but it's still I would still say it's worth experiencing. So um, Nick Bontrager, he's an artist in Texas. Uh, we're working on some badge life stuff and trying to get it more into the explicit fine art scene. 
but we had reached out to some of the Badge Life folks and specifically uh, the QueerCon folks. So um, was it Evan McKay? I'm trying to remember this guy's name. But I just found the Badge Life folks to be so open-handed and they're so great about sharing all their information. So mm-hmm. I just I just re- really like the uh, the culture that's growing up around there. Yeah. I don't know if you guys know this, but at the last Supercon, there was a operation game that someone had hooked up to to do what what voltage? Very, very it, high voltage. It, sure. it eventually got you know. tenuated downward, but... <laughs> my my arm was numb for a while after. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't do that And I didn't know one. this was the case. <laughs> I did it smarter. <laughs> one of my greatest teaching fails was teaching a bunch of grad students about how to use a multimeter, and, it, and for some reason I wasn't getting a voltage reading on this little wall wart. So I thought, well, that's weird. So, you know, where's like a... A source of voltage that I'm I'm sure about, and so I just plugged it into an extension cord, <laughs> and mm-hmm. I had the uh, the lead set to read uh, amperage instead. Oh and, no! Uh, so it's just, just complete... shorted. Yeah, yeah. It was really uh, it was really incredible. I, my hand was completely black, like in a cartoon when a cigar blows up <laughs> in somebody's face. Oh. And then I tried to keep teaching, and then I just had to say, you know, let's just let's just take a break. And and the only way I limped out of it with my uh, uh, you know, with respect intact, was to write this whole blog post about why that mistake had happened. Because um, I was amazed that the students actually came back the next week. I mean, <laughs> I say as long as you don't do it twice, you know? Yes. Yes, that's exactly. true. Twice in the same way. In the yeah, same right. way. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've sat <laughs> myself with like 350 volts and then I went right back to see if that's what actually happened and, and, and wow. confirmed Yeah, that it. happened. <laughs> What what was the occasion for using 350? I've never um, heard of that designation before. Oh, it, it was just like, it was between 350 and 400. I had a variable power supply and I was trying mm-hmm. to get, it was a laser despeckler, uh, yeah. something like that. I found it at a surplus store and I went to make it work and you had to do like a sine wave or two sine waves at like high voltage. And I used resistors. I forgot to calculate the power rating <laughs> on the resistors. So I, I smelled burning <laughs> And then I touched a resistor and I burned myself. So then I, I went and got, you know, parallel resistors, more like uh, higher, bigger, more parallel. And then I would touch the resistor with my hand to see if it was still hot. And, and they, it was. And eventually they were cold <laughs> enough. But I pressed on it a little too hard and I touched one of the leads. Oh. And I, I hadn't thought of it. And I was just like, well, uh, what just happened? And then I went back to do it again just to see if that... Yep. Alvaro, why why did I not interview you at Supercon about the dumbest thing you've done with electronics? Because <laughs> this did not come up. Yeah. Although most of the people we asked that question to, a lot of shocking occurred. Yeah. Oh, that that, uh, that, that one is on YouTube uh, if, you, if you look a while back. The, uh, have you guys, do you guys watch the dude Electro Boom? Um, is that the guy that shocks his, himself? His entire bread and butter. Like he intentionally shocks himself during oh, every yes, project. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yes. It would be cool to hear about your podcast that you do, the of Unnamed course. Reverse Engineering Podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What what uh what drove you to make a podcast about reverse engineering? I think some of it was that we didn't know much, and it turns out uh, it turns out in some ways we, we actually don't. well we still don't not not in this kind of like sense of like how you know how, I think part of it is demystifying that field. Because yeah. at at the root of it, and and chime in here, Alvaro, is we're effectively just debugging. Yep. It's just that we don't know every, you know, all the parameters like we would get if we were on a project that we were supposed to, you know, that we were actually like the engineer on. We're kind of that- doing the the back end part of that. So what ends up being is it's it's not it's not magic that's occurring. It's just people who have tools and time and 
good debugging skills. But I mean, that's that's engineering in general. I, I think we saw Micah, uh, Micah Elizabeth Scott's video mm-hmm. of Coaster Melt. And um, that inspired us. And, and we realized that there's nothing else like that for podcasts. And after a year of talking about it, we finally... We finally did it. And then Micah came in the show as well, which was a really good one. I think it was three or four. Yeah. And, and yeah, over time, like Jen says, I've, well, we've both realized that a, a lot more people do reverse engineering than, than they think. Uh, we, we were talking to Supercon and one guy's like, oh no, I just kind of repair tractors. And I'm like, do you have the, the manual for the tractors? Like, no. I'm like, well, you just reverse engineered it to figure out how to how it works, how to fix it, right? So, so yeah. we're, we're just trying to um, make it more accessible, right? We're, we're doing a lot of basics episodes with these are the tools that exist. We might not mm-hmm. show you how to use them, but half the battle is just knowing that a tool exists. So you can uh, Google it, learn more about it. But, but uh, most people don't know that a lot of the the stuff exists. So, and then we talk to experts that know what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Nice. So I got to get deeper in the catalog. That sounds yeah. great. We have a lot of listeners who maybe don't have never heard the word reverse engineering or maybe have heard it but don't really understand it. And I was curious if one of you wanted to take a swing at describing the process or kind of what it, the mindset or, or what it is. One of the ways I like to describe it, like I say, is when, when you're given a uh, um, a problem, a piece of software, a piece of hardware, a machine, and you don't, and you kind of know what, it, you might know what it does and you don't know how it does it, or you don't know what it does. And then you take kind of steps, uh, little bites at it and, and to try and f- understand how it works and try to learn from, you know, how it was made and, and see how, how, how it was designed. The repair industry has been doing this for for ages, right? Like you, mm-hmm. you might not have a repair manual, but you need to fix the television or the microwave, whatever. So you start just looking at the components, you open it up, you look, uh, start measuring voltages around or just looking around and, and, and try to make a picture on your head or, or like a diagram of how does this work? Same thing with software, right? A lot of people, like I started doing some reverse engineering when I was a kid and I would download demo games and I wanted to play the full version, but I didn't want to pay for it. So I would look at the files and try to figure out um, how to get around the the restrictions, if you will. Um, So things like that. And there's a lot of people that get started like that. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. That's what we find out. (laughs) I think a lot of people know what reverse engineering is through cooking, right? Because they, they taste something they, that someone else made and they're like, I want to know how to make that. And they don't yep. have the recipe. Mm-hmm. And so yep. then they try to dis- like deconstruct what went into it in order yeah. to remake it. You know, and that to me feels like the same thing, right? The, no, that's a perfect example. And I actually listened to a podcast that's called Behind the Rind. And it's mm-hmm. a cheese podcast. Oh. <laughs> it's really good. It's really well produced. It's not very long. And they explain kind of the science behind cheese. Yeah. But I was listening to the first episode and I heard someone mention reverse engineering cheese, and I got so excited. That's and it was great. exactly <laughs> that, right? Trying to figure some people can just eat some cheese and they'll tell you what kind of milk it was, what kind of yeah. cultures they put on it. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. That one seems so sophisticated and hard, too, because like specific tastes and like there's like biology happening, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Like my cheese making is pretty rudimentary compared to Alvarez uh-huh. at this point, but uh-huh. it, it just feels like w- once you go online and you kind of see like some of the, I guess short term would be recipes. It's, it's pretty straightforward. There's not that many bacterium that you end up using. 
Yeah. Am I right, mm. Alvaro? Like, there's like about three that I can think of off the top of my head. It Don't ask depends. me. Depends. Yeah. Um, it depends on the cheese. Yeah. And it depends if you're using raw milk or not. Because if yeah. you're using raw milk, then you get all the bacteria that comes right. with the milk, and that also that That's affects its flavor. The, the flavor quite a bit. Yeah. You can also get plenty of good cheese without it, but um, that that you do get a lot of kind of what's in the air, what was in the milk to begin with. But when you're at, the the stuff you're adding, yeah, it's it's not super. I, I've only done breeze. I've done one gouda, um, chevre, like goat cheese. I've been meaning to do blue cheese, but I haven't been able. That to one the definitely time. gets injected with mold. Like yeah. they pierce yep. it yep. after Whoa. the bread. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa, that's cool. Behind the Rind is the name yeah. of the Yeah, I, I posted it on the Slack. Yeah. Oh, great. Great. I, I read somewhere that the Mongols made cheese by putting milk in uh, leather bags poked with holes, and then they just stick it under their horse's uh, saddle and just ride around, like, let it get all hot. Does that sound That's like it's I totally heard. apocryphal, or is that possible? They they have they have a uh, an, an episode about this, actually, about uh, like how it got started, and, and some of... I, I forget which one were rumors and which were more like plausible but some mm-hmm. yeah were they would use animal stomachs as mm-hmm. kind of water pouches but yeah. they would hold milk and then that's how they discovered rennet which is yep. what coagulates it right uh, yeah. um, i don't know if that was the real one or a story but that was one <laughs> so this sounds similar but that's definitely i remember there was a whole episode just on rennet i remember that wow yeah <laughs> which is like a cheese precursor is that right Oh, rennet is the coagulant. So w- w- you have milk, and then you, you add um, you know, citric acid and, and a few other uh, like bacteria or molds, and the rennet is what, what solidifies it, what coagulates it. And originally, rennet is from a calf's um, stomach, and, mm-hmm. and, and then so technically, a lot of cheese is not vegetarian. But fret not most of the the rennet nowadays is bacterial rennet which um they basically are able to produce the same enzyme or i i'm just throwing words around sorry but i don't know <laughs> i might be wrong but basically reproducing what what the animal did but it's just having a a, a bacteria that clones that and then there's also a plant-based one but it's not quite as good if you like goat cheese, the chevre you can get the you can get the packet the, the cultures on amazon pretty much yeah it's it's so easy <laughs> It's overnight, like less than 24 hours, wow. you have chevre that's almost as good. good as what you buy. The hard part is getting good milk. At least out here, there's some well-known goat cheese farms, so, and they will sell you the milk. But you, yeah, you have to get non-homogenized milk, otherwise uh-huh. it doesn't work. Same with the cow that's milk. Cool. I'd like to try that. Goat cheese is rad. That'd be awesome. Should we start with uh, projects? Yeah, yes. for sure. Mine, uh, <laughs> right. mine, mine will go pretty quick. This episode's challenge is survival. So often what we do, which and this is kind of a fun way to do it, is we kind of do a round robin where where maybe, um, Jen, if you want to take the first image, and then Alvaro, you can take the second, and then I'll take the third, and then Jen will take the fourth, and then... We all look at them at the same time, though, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Yeah, and people just kind of okay. describe what they're seeing. And then, you know, you can feel free to chime in if someone says something and you notice something. But it's kind of nice to have, like, someone lead each image, and then we just kind of go through them. Oh, okay. So the first image I see is what seems to be Taylor's hand, and he's holding denim, and (laughs) uh, looks like some sewing has happened, Uh, but I'm not sure what's next. Image number two. All right, that's mine. Uh, More more denim. Uh, I see 
a different stitch, mm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Like a serger. Yeah, Jen, you get it. Oh, is that is that the name for like when it um the two pieces of cloth are sewn? It's like a like it wraps around the edge. Is that what we're looking at? So the serger is a enhanced sewing machine. Oh. And usually it can do this nice um seaming for you. I don't know I don't know if they all do it, but this one also has a little knife that travels up and down that also trims the edge to a very specific mm-hmm. length, you know, a distance from where the stitch takes place, which is part of the why the finished oh. edge looks so nice. Image number three. So I'm looking at this. It's it's a continuation of the fabric on the inside. We're getting a bigger picture where we're seeing mm-hmm. both the the inha- the seam, which seems to have kind of like a rolled seam, where there's two parts that go overhead, yeah. and then there's a finished yep. inside on the denim. It looks like a pocket. It's probably a pocket, but we're on the inside. Oh man, image number four is amazing. It's <laughs> whoa. It looks like a is it the an 70s? entire yes. It, is. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely looks like a total John Travolta. unitard discoed unitard but i think it's just the denim is inside out but maybe it's not maybe it's maybe that's the outside oh the pockets look like they're yeah on the outside Mm -hmm. i really hope on the outside i really hope these are going to become bell bottoms is there going to be a dance video (laughs) yes we can only have will there be a dance video in the show oh i see a gift coming up (laughs) and it looks like taylor's dimensions i have to say like this i feel like I would only f- fill half of this coverall <laughs> unisuit. It's a lot of legs. Yeah, the leg length is really quite long. Oh, oh, okay. It's uh-huh. a sewing machine. Uh-huh. I think it's spinning up. Uh, That's just see the. I see the pulleys. Oh, is no? Is it so, threading the oh, bobbin? Right. Is yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm working on these industrial sewing machines. They're mm-hmm. so great. So this is a brother oh, from you know okay. whenever ago. But the technology has been around for so long that it's it at once looks really old, but it just works so good. So these are these belt-driven wow. sewing machines, but they have this external purely mechanical attachment for loading the bobbin. So you take the thread out of the machine and run it right next to the machine, and then when you pull the lever, it moves this wheel up until it engages with the belt so that the same belt that drives the machine also drives the bobbin winder. And then you can't really see it because it doesn't turn off, but at the bottom middle of the image, there's this metal finger on a spring. And once there's enough thread on the bobbin, it it depresses the finger and causes it to stop and disengage from the belt, which is sick because it's like a hundred year old, you know, technique, but they're still using it. It's great. Yeah. That's the way my sewing machine works. No electronics. It it just works. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really cool. Okay, All right, six. so now we have a video. Uh, three, two, one, play. Whoa. Oh, some disco music. <laughs> we totally oh. called it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, man, whose who's number is this? Who gets to describe this awesome video? Five. Uh, five. Six. Six. Jin, I think that's oh, you. Oh, man. Okay, so... <laughs> You're walking down the hallway. I'm assuming this is you. <laughs> that is Taylor. Yeah. You're you're getting your groove on. There's a confidence. <laughs> There's a recycling this is not like bin. iPhone slow mo style. <laughs> oh yeah, it is definitely slow mo. <laughs> 
You're checking yourself out. Oh, finger guns. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. And Taylor is slow mo. Taylor is doing the proudest strut I've ever seen Taylor do. <laughs> and he's heading for the camera. <laughs> oh, there's a website. <laughs> I like the domain. <laughs> Just to give a little context, this is not my website. So it's jumpsu.it. Yeah, jumpsu website. with a dot before the IT. This is Abigail's project, but it's Glaum Lathbury. So she works up at the Art Institute okay. of Chicago and has this open source project with one other collaborator for the so-called mono garments and this idea that if everybody wore the same jumpsuit, the same genderless jumpsuit, it would you know solve a lot of society's ills. Um, so if you go to the pattern... You can put in a couple of your measurements, and I think they've graded out like 240 separate <laughs> separate patterns. Whoa. Uh, and you yeah. can just download them and print them out and, uh, and make them yourself. So we got the pattern from Abigail, who provided the inspiration for a class I'm teaching this semester that's um, about blue-collar fashion. And then I got all of the construction was taught to me by um, Julie Feller, who's my, my co-teacher in the, in the project. So I was just, I was all labor for this project, but it was uh, it was very satisfying. <laughs> very cool, oh. Taylor. How how did survival for you fit into the the jumpsuit? I was kind of hoping you can come up with that answer. I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you only need one garment of clothing, well, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. like survival from a fashion sense, survival from a creative sense, and then also just um, practical. Um, uh, and 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 also it got me thinking about disco. Um, although I didn't go with you know the most obvious disco tune, I tried to go with a adjacent disco tune. Yeah, I will survive. Would be a really good uh, disco mm-hmm. tune. Yeah, that's Indeed. that's what I was thinking. Yeah. This was Sister Sledge. I don't Sledge. think it would have gone with the walk though. <laughs> yeah, right. That's yeah. true. Yeah, my, yeah. It was all about the walk. That was, that was my primary interest. <laughs> so yes, that was me. So so I, I cheated a little bit because there were a lot of people doing a lot of work to help me get to this. I still spent a lot of time, but that was mostly because I wasn't any good at sewing and I did a lot of practice. Yes. I mean, this, there's nothing wrong with learning. For sure. <laughs> Very cool. And I, and I think the project acknowledges this, but the Rational Dress Society is, is more than 100 years old. And uh, Oh, really? Rob, you've actually done some projects adjacent to this too in terms of uh, the bicycle and there being like a political yes. women's movement right. about yep. whether women could ride a bike and if that was ladylike and whatever. And so I just threw a link up <laughs> with a uh, pardon me with a link to the Rational Dress Society via uh, eighteen sixty six. Um, or, or wait, that, hold on, that's the uh, that's the Dewey Decimal System eighteen eighty nine. So yeah, so I, I think they're borrowing it from a movement that's been around for a long time and updating it um, for uh, contemporary society. So one of the things I thought was interesting, I was clicking around on the sizing, is that there's no conventional size. Mm. A size is a a code word. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think Abigail and her collaborator thought really hard about that, uh, where you're picking out like a bagel or a sunshine as opposed to a women's six. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, it's body shape. So it's like, it's also more diverse in terms of the bodies that can fit without it feeling judged i guess sure yeah that's cool oh yeah there's like a whole lot of sizes here and they're like letters like unfitted a unfitted v that's yeah. neat yeah oh, and and out. you know you could be yeah. a lima or a whiskey or a yankee or yes, a pie that's right yeah. yes phonetic alphabet in the house 
Yeah, I, I'm, <laughs> a, so cool. I'm an I and a very slight You're A, an I. I determined through this process. Uh-huh. Jin and Alro, which of you would like to go next? Yeah, who's up? I, I'm okay with looking like a fool. <laughs> Great. Jin so that, zip. Okay, there it the is house. right there. Okay, I'm going to check this out. Oh, okay. Oh. We, uh, I have a I have a text file that redirects me to go to YouTube. A petite text file. These always yes. these always make me so curious. Okay, three, two, one, play. Oh, I'm hearing music. It's like a very suspenseful. A of reverb. Robotic Rob- services are replacing our parents. I'm reading the text. Yeah, yeah please do. Great. White text and up. Black background. IoT and instant gratification are replacing our independence. <laughs> Algorithms are replacing socializing choices. Eventually, technology will encroach on our autonomy. <laughs> One day, it will question why service at all? Dun dun dun. That's just me. In a world. Yeah, that's very, very like um, sci-fi music. Yeah, some may call this synthesizer tunes. AI takeover, Judgment Day, robot apocalypse, robot revolt, robot uprising. I like the music. Yeah, it's amazing. It oh, sounds I like see. John Carpenter music. Uh, uh, videos fading in of two dancers. Oh, oh they, like zombie. No. Oh, okay. It's dancing. So there's sort of a um, rehearsal space. There's two performers, both of which I seem to be women just because of the long hair and general body shape. Yeah. There's also a, um, so cool. a visual filter. Uh, yes. It's black and white, some posturization, and sort of wiggly. Yeah, like, yeah, posters, yeah, high grain, yeah. And then I have to admit that I'm not super strong on describing dance choreography. Yeah. I'm not either. But yeah. if you think about the sort of the cowboy reference, you have the black shirt and the white shirt. Uh, and the two of them are often in um, opposition, right. both opposition and collaboration, so... One might lift the other, or they might sort oh, of... Oh, she's putting her down. Yeah. Ensure your survival at friendofrobot.org. Oh, we're getting oh. a call to action here at the end of the video. Uh, so, guys, I'm on the web page, the landing page. I like it. I'm going there now. Why yeah. service it all plan for the robot apocalypse today? Wow. <laughs> is, did, we, did we roll an entire video and website? This is blowing, blowing my mind. Robots are becoming faster, smarter, faster, and more powerful. Humanity has been remiss in creating robots without protections in place. <laughs> we also end up taunting and bullying them during their creation. Very true. When the robot uprising occurs, how much time do you and your loved ones have? <laughs> Plan for the robot apocalypse today. I see uh, Friends of Robot offers customized protection from a certain, from a bleak and certain future. <laughs> Our unique technology <laughs> ensures the safety of your family. Yeah. Prepare for the robot apocalypse today. Does, does this shirt exist? And there's a, 
It looks like you can order one. There's a red t-shirt with a little robot on it that's smiling and a big QR code and it says friendofrobot.org. Yes. Wow. I'm going to scan this QR code. Yeah, of course. You have to. I'm going to get my phone. Oh, it, yeah. It just goes to friendofrobot.org. Awesome. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really hoping that this t-shirt exists because I want to order it immediately. Hey, Alvaro, what does it say? What does what say? My QR code. My QR code reader doesn't just give a doesn't just give. Oh, a let me let me get more than that. Okay, I'll try it too. Is there a native one on the in iOS? Oh shit! iPhone, you just take a picture, yeah. right? And it it should know. Oh yeah, right. The, oh, I love it. So it yeah. says, "This human is wearing a sample certificate. Certificate. They are not official. They are not an official friend of Robot Kill. Oh no! This is a scam. Oh wow. man, this is great. <laughs> oh, I see. So once we pay for it, we get the the real one with a real certificate, not the sample certificate. So people cannot That's... make their own from the website. If we scroll down, it says, "How does it work? Our solution leverages highly encrypted security keys, machine vision, and a global, highly scalable." data infrastructure to identify a friendly human amongst the less fortunate. Once verified against her blazing fast backend, you and your family are likely to survive and enjoy a peaceful coexistence between man and machine. It is that easy. Join us today. Uh, When I think of survival, at least when I got this in, I was like, oh, there are topics that happen in our household. (laughs) And this is one of those inevitable, like, how are we going to survive the robot apocalypse? And um, so we've been coming up with ideas for a while. Um, because it's kind of like not a when I say it's a it's a favorite subject I don't mean like oh my god we're all gonna die I don't mean kind of like in a crackpot way but it's kind of like interesting to see like can we commodity can we make money off of this sure, it's the human way <laughs> yeah so <laughs> well um so we bought uh we I basically I bought this domain to basically put put as a placeholder for how we could survive this. And, you know, I finally was like, okay, what if we just had QR codes on our bodies or on our homes to like, just kind of say, Hey, look, we're cool. We put in the money. And, uh, if we just made, um, had some way of like, you know, presenting a certificate or an SSH code or what have you, so they can just use their, their internet access to like verify in a database. Yeah. That could be protection in some way. Uh, whether that works or not, I don't know. Um, there was a lot of discussion over the verbiage because um, there was somebody was really trying to convince me I should use blockchain in the <laughs> oh, technical <no>. explanation. <laughs> so if you look at my Twitter feed, you can see it kind of that how that discussion went down. Um, but it almost kind of seems like it's the perfect chance to use blockchain. But um, but anyway, so the dance is about is about that kind of subservient. Like how, do, you know, when, when we're, we're basically having robots and, and all these services do everything for us that we're, we're starting to not know how to do things for ourselves. And, um, we're even getting to the point where, um, a lot, there's protections in place where we can't even do those things anymore. Like how much longer are we going to be allowed to drive perhaps? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so at that kit, in that point, like at some point we're just going to kind of be reduced to consumers, um, not doing a whole lot. So why are we even living? And it kind of begs the question, you know, when our AIs become smart enough to go like, why are we doing all this work for them? 
Uh-huh. Maybe it'd just be better off if they were dead. Then we can just not have to do all this extra work. It's the most logical thing there. So just trying to explore that and then kind of looking at how humanity is obviously going to want to try to survive and probably make a quick buck out of it too at the same time. So the idea is to wow. create this kind of tongue in cheek solution around survive, you know, how can we survive? So it's, this is kind of a mixed media interpretation yeah. of the theme. That's really cool. And so in your, in your video, there's two dancers and one of them has on a black shirt and one of them has on a white shirt mm-hmm. and the, the black shirted dancer sort of lays the white shirted performer mm-hmm. down in a sort of way that makes me think that the white shirt shirted performer has has died. <laughs> <laughs> and it is am I am I interpreting that correctly? Uh, not necessarily. I, I think that okay, there's kind okay. of so um, the person in the darker shirt is playing the robot. So you can uh-huh, see yep. how Uh-oh. they're <laughs> how they're pulling them back, keeping them from running away, keeping them from doing being a uh, you know having any autonomy um, and holding them. Um, and so a lot of a lot even at the end when they're trying to jump past, they're holding yes. them in and then kind of closing them up together and putting them down to like just just go to sleep. Oh I right, yeah, okay, yeah. The the white shirt dancer sort of is trying to leap forward, and the mm-hmm. the black shirt dancer is holding them back. Yeah. From sort of preventing them from yeah. leaping through the so air. So you saw cool. at the beginning how the white shirt person was holding the black shirt person by the scruff. If you go all the way back to the beginning, that's kind of okay. the human holding the robot back. But over time, you can see uh, how yeah. that switches. Okay. Yeah, so that was a, that, that was very lucky I could find another dancer. So that's about a, an hour of work. <laughs> so you produced wow. the dance as well? Yes. Oh, man. Yeah. That's that's awesome. my work. So that's that wow. that's a piece of ongoing work. <laughs> yeah. Well, just the, oh, the cool. fact that you brought so many different areas to bear. It's um, jeez. Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah, I feel like we could really sit that's with really any cool. one of those. Here's the little like behind the scenes development part. I was like, okay, I need to create a website really fast. I'll just use my web hoster who has this new tool, and it presented me with a bunch of templates. One of the templates had most of these photos already pre-stacked with a robot uprising <laughs> um, verbiage already. <laughs> so <laughs> a lot of that theme was already there, and it kind of made me laugh. I'm like, this is what I'm trying to do, and it's already here. That's disturbing. All right, so Alvaro wow. just busted in here. All right, Alvaro, let's see what we got. Okay. Okay, I'm seeing Ash Park PCBs, you know, because they're perfectly purple alliteration something or other. What are the two boards doing? Early on, the boards are overlapping one another, but they don't appear to be male or female um, uh, pin headers populating the place yeah. where they would meet. So I'm curious to figure out more here. There's some, like, tuning. Yeah, I see some trim pots on there. What? The green board has some trim pots on it, which means you can adjust it with a little yeah. screwdriver swizzle stick thing. Yep. I'm trying to figure out also what a... Uh, so TRG seems pretty that's obvious to be trigger, but what's ECH? Ugh. Because that's what we learned in engineering school. <laughs> Make sure your ugh signal is going like, no, no, no more, I've had enough. Ugh. If you get into four or five, maybe we're starting to work with some uh, larger scale... Um, Power? 
well, blue cube relay is what I always call those. I don't know if there's another name for them. Yeah, like an ice cube. Relay. Um, and those relays are sort of used. So if you have like a very low power circuit and you want to switch something on and off, that would be like mm-hmm. 110 volts or something like coming out of your wall. And yeah. you want to do that safely. You would use a relay to use uh, a little magnetized switch that switches the power on and off. So I'm going to guess that the green board is a commercial product. And the purple board mm-hmm. is um, something that's hanging off yeah. there to modify or improve its behavior. I have to say, Alvaro did a thing that I'm going to totally steal, which is he used a little squeeze clamp to hold his cables on the edge of the table mm-hmm. so his circuit <laughs> boards don't fall off. You know, if you've ever, like, sure. even if you just oh, own yeah. a Mac and you're like, oh, I'm going to unplug my cable, then all of a sudden the power cable spools off to the edge of the table. Yep. <laughs> And then you're on your knees crawling to catch it. He used a little squeeze clamp to hold his cables on the table. And I think that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, I use binder clips. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I tend to yep. do that. That's yeah. great. Wow. I'm, I'm taking both if of those. If the table's thin enough anyway. That's yeah. awesome. So we have a, t- oh. a ton of images. Why don't we skip through some more? We get it. Ooh. You get a dome. You get a diffuser dome. Yeah. Diffuser dome. Yes. Like a hive. Yeah. For motions. That's like yeah. Like, right. A diffuser dome. Yeah, is that meant to just make the, um, it's sort of like having peripheral vision yep. and it sort of lets the sensor spread its awareness into a larger field of view? Is that, I, I don't know, is that it, what that's doing? Yeah. Okay. And then uh, as you're moving down, we've got one of these guys plugging into dirt inside a pot. Yeah, we like got some it. kind we of got like a soil sensor, sensor or something. Or yeah. something. Moisture sensor, right, mm. right. And then below that, it looks like ugh, it was actually, was Echo, because it's a, um, yep. it's mm-hmm. a uh, like a LiDAR thing. Or like. Are you talking to plants? <laughs> Sounds good. Make me cheese. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm seeing a classic uh, WS 2812, uh, a.k.a. Neopixel mm. strip. Is the thing about NeoPixels is that they have RG and B built in? Is that the... Mm-hmm. Yes. The, Among other and things. you can put them in series. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like they okay. can actually do some processing on board. Yeah, and with a single pin, you can control um, dozens, if not more, of yep. LEDs as colors just oh, by toggling cool. one pin, and then it has a shift register. So you give it, like, three colors, and then if you give it three more colors, it'll pass the three colors ahead to the next LED, and it'll just keep passing mm-hmm. it on down the strip. Wow. Mm-hmm. Liz from Blitzity DIY, a previous guest. She often rocks the NeoPixels, and I was, but I didn't get to ask her when she was on how they work. So yeah, thanks. Yeah, I'm loving the project name, which is Blemish, but M E S H. Yeah, so we have a soil moisture sensor. It looks like. So he's got a pot. The pot has the NeoPixel strip around the interior circumference, all the way at the top. Also, the plant he has in there is dry as a bone. It looks like it's totally dead. You're plant shaming him? <laughs> so I'm, tra- <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to figure out, is this just bad green thumbing or is, this a, is he making a point? <laughs> what do you guys think about the um, echolocation thing? Is, does it only water the plant? If you go stick your face in it? Yep, pretty much. <laughs> so the let me just I'm just gonna put out a, a theory just to make sure Please I'm all do. caught up. Yeah. Is you're just supposed to put your face next to the plant in there and then it waters it? 
Well, you, you can watch the video, I guess. Oh, there's like. a video. <laughs> Let's watch the video. Because the reason why I'm asking is it just we just came I just came off about like automating ourselves. <laughs> so I may be wrong about this, but part of the thing I find hilarious about it is that I think you still have to come over. Like like the whole the promise of automation is often not having to do anything. Yes. And and this one yeah. still <laughs> Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it still requires me to do so, which there's something so funny about that to me. The, the, the whole idea was survival, right? I was like, oh, I'll just make a automatic plant watering system, right? So the plant can survive. But that that was kind of, uh, I felt like that was a little too simple. Like it's been done. So I made these uh, wireless sensors that, that actually have Bluetooth. <laughs> and they're all together, but they could be anywhere in the room. So it will only basically pretend it's watering when you're watching it right so mm-hmm. if you're not watching it the plant's gonna die as soon as you start walking it starts shining the lights so like oh yeah no no i've been i've been uh giving the plant light all this time and then once you're like wait but it's so dry and you get up close to check it out it's just like oh no no no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm watering it i'm watering it's like a teenager um, that that was the that was the spirit <laughs> i guess of this. it's like a pair it's a teenage yeah. robot yeah i dig it yeah any any plans to uh carry on your relationship no no i'll probably tear it down soon but yeah the, the, the reason the plant is so dry is i had to pick a plant that i could overwater during the testing. <laughs> that's the reason i had the little the little cup right so, so you, in, in a lot of the photos you see a little tiny cup with a moisture sensor there because i was debugging my code and i would turn the pump on and it would start right. watering and i knew it was just gonna totally flood it and and, and so I, I got the only dead plant, and I that was a sacrificial one. And then the reason I had the little uh, glass is that once all the soil is wet, my sensor oh my, my sensor actually detects if the soil moisture is as high, it's not going to water it even if you show up because you don't want right. to kill the plant, right? <laughs> but <laughs> so uh, I had to keep it dry until the demo time, and and it didn't work. So eventually, I, I actually had to wrap a paper towel around the sensor and then dig it in <laughs> so a dry paper towel would oh, kind of right. shield it so yeah. once the water started then i got the paper towel wet and then it turned off how is the plant doing mm-hmm. now oh it's it's very dead it was dead <laughs> beforehand and it did it get better is what you're saying yeah all right rob should we check out uh, what you got for us Okay, ready? Let's ready. go. All right, so you have Best Western. It's, out, it's outside. <laughs> it's inside of a car, I think, right? Yeah. Washing the See window. See cleaning. Yeah, washing the window. Is it a gas station? Hard to... I see a cell tower up there. Top right. Rob is known to take trips far and abroad from Los Angeles for... Like Rob's getting out of L.A. and he's off to. Um, I'm assuming this is where you went before, which I believe was part of the Center for Land Use Interpretation. Uh, there's like a negative. Negative. There's a trailer <laughs> marked Desert Research Station. It's a different space, but same, same. same okay, way. I'm playing. I'm playing it now. Cool. So it's it's the Center for Land Use Interpretation generally. It's their location out in like Hinkley, California, yeah. or Barso. Roughly. Whoa. Are there just dingoes running around out there? 
Yes, that's what I was wondering. There's way more animals out here than I would have expected. Yeah, we saw but like packs of wild dogs running by. Rob's got oh sketchbook. Supplies. A backpack. Twenty eight liter. Oh, some gorilla grip gloves. Sketchbook. I think yeah. he's gonna break into that trailer. <laughs> I hope so. His <laughs> Leatherman wave. Um tape, mm-hmm. measuring tape. Uh, Maybe he's knife. gonna build a house. Rob Barry's do blades. I don't. Oh. Wow, you really keep oh, this trip. looks like a torture kit. I try. <laughs> oh, I oh I just got one of those drills, like the step yeah, drills. For, yeah, for yeah, panel drill drills. Yeah, step bits are the best. Wow. Yeah. Thin panel drills. Yeah. I just go to work for this. Super glue and Altoids tins. Also, I go to a work. A crowbar. For this. Oh my gosh. This dog just Another showed up. Dog. <laughs> Cute. That does do. Hey, that does not look like the same dingoes that were running around earlier. Dingo baby. This is in the past. <laughs> so Rob, I think I don't know. Is Rob like getting together his oh. go team for the apocalypse here? Is this your go bag? Bug out bag. Yeah. Are you going to put together a bunch of stuff from IKEA? <laughs> the rep. Uh, there's some After dog the eating. <gasps> You're going to build a dog, dog house, aren't you? Uh, Rob, feeding a stray dog is not a survival tactic, my friend. <laughs> it is for the yeah, dog. It's, well, yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay, that's so it, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, that one did not go where I thought it where I thought it would. So what do, what do you guys make of the fact that Rob laid out all these tools and then he just went up hanging out with a puppy and that's <laughs> Yeah, I was so oh, ready for So some sometimes action, you have to survive by giving in to yes. pets. <laughs> oh man, I've so, I've so many more questions than when we began. <laughs> yeah. So it seems good, to good. me like Rob he has because this has happened a number of times where he's got like his intended project but then gets interested uh-huh. in reality when Something Mm -hmm. random Uh, happened, so I feel like he was going out into the desert with his bug-out bag, and that's all well and good, but then the reality of it was... It's a pretty intense bug-out bag. Yeah, there's no tuna Mm -hmm. in there. It's all just for making (laughs) stuff. I went out to the desert, and I went out to the desert to uh, show a thing that I have done before, which is make like a, a creative persons or slash art makers bug out bag our survival kit Mm -hmm. which is like a a backpack full of stuff that you could take with you anywhere to make a project with and so what i was trying to show in the in the photos were the things that were a part of the survival kit Mm -hmm. like the 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 tools inside the survival kit so um and it's uh, like an assortment of things, right? It's like a stapler, uh, step bits, a small drill, like like the things you would need. But instead of being like a prepper, you're like being like an art prepper. Like, what do I do when I'm in a, a creative desert as opposed to, you know, or a creative oh. apocalypse? And so like if you're stuck in a hotel room uh, by the airport for work or if you're um just like on a family vacation that you don't want to be on or something like how do you stay like engaged with your own creativity by bringing like a small tool set for yourself so that's what was my original goal and 
when I was done documenting what was in my bug out bag, I thought for a second that I got bit by a snake. <laughs> but what it, but what it was was a a puppy walked up to me and started licking me on the leg <laughs> in in the middle of the desert. Uh, and so I went out to make a survival uh, a survival kit, and what I ended up being was part of the dog survival kit. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And I just <laughs> sent you guys a photo. And that is that dog now, like right beneath me right now. Whoa, you kept him. Oh, wow. Yep. No kidding. And what did you name this dog? The dog's name is Sonic Boom. Uh, oh, I like it. Because it was out Street by Fighter. Edwards Air Force Base. So. Wow. Oh, that, that works too. So I became a, a part of the dog survival kit. Un- unbeknownst to me but oh dude <laughs> yeah oh man it's been a cra- so oh so the reason i was late to the podcast is of course because i'm like a working dolt i had to get like doggy daycare for this dog that i found yeah <laughs> so i had to pick up the dog really quick after work and i was like it's gonna make me late oh, wow. to the podcast but i was like but it's related it's related <laughs> so yeah sonic boom i i, I became the survival kit un- unbeknownst man, to me you committed on that one yeah yeah <laughs> this has turned into a very long-term project mm-hmm. for you yes, yeah. it has, yes i was gonna make like a thing with my survival kit you yeah. know like i was gonna take the tools and make the thing but but then like panic set in and i was like i've got to get this dog to the vet like i don't know what's <laughs> so I just post all his papers so my yeah, yeah my plan <laughs> yeah, my plan was wrecked but i got mm. to keep the dog so that's good so Taylor and and our dear guest, it's episode fifty. Hey-o. Yeah, and so every ten episodes, we have we asked any previous guests that would like to call in to call in and just say what they're up to, and so we will punch those in right here. Hey, Posable Thumbs! Congratulations on fifty episodes. This is Coin Donkey, and uh, I gave you the precision challenge. I do believe so. Things are uh, going good here. I'm still machining and. Uh, getting deeper and deeper into that. In fact, I've started a YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash BlondieHacks. So uh, I'm focusing on uh, especially beginner content and people who want to learn machining because I think that's a real gap that exists on YouTube. There's plenty of machining porn and plenty of hour-long machining videos with uh, tiny amounts of content in them. So I'm hoping to do something that is uh, short and information-dense and a good way for people to learn. I hope people will check it out. Thanks for making a great podcast. Hey, Taylor and Rob and everyone else. This is Tim Sway. Uh, For the 40th episode, I put in a bunch of effort into this uh, little uh, call-in thing, and I wrote a script, and I had my son act it out with me and stuff. So I thought for the 50th that I would put in as little effort as possible to contribute um, without just you know ignoring you altogether. So that's all you're getting right now. I'm talking at my laptop here. And um, as far as what I'm up to, I'm still uh, pursuing my interests in making guitars from pallet wood and reclaimed materials and, and the design of them. Uh, I, I guess I'm midlife crisising it a little bit because I've I'm doing all these like punk rock themed guitars of uh, kind of getting back to my youth. And uh, I'm also using a graphic that none other than the Rob Ray himself drew for me, which I'm using as like one of the versions of my guitar company's logo. It's a picture that Rob made of a guy with a mohawk playing one of my guitars. It's uh, super cool. And thank you very much for that, Rob. Um, so the reason I did want to call in instead of just doing the absolute minimum amount possible is to say how much I enjoy this show. 
Uh, there's something really exciting and interesting about listening to people describe visual art that you can't see that really just like um, like triggers a lot of synapses in my brain and and uh, and inspires me in a lot of ways. And as someone who sort of skirts the line of artist and artisan and I, I sort of lean more towards being like a like a maker than I am an artist, uh, it's really inspires me to not be afraid to lean into the art side of it a little more. And um, not necessarily worry about the the practicality as much as the uh, aesthetics and the and the things that I can do that way. I just really enjoy hearing all these uh, different artists. So thank you for doing the show and keep up the good work, guys. Boom. Okay. You can find photos of our finished projects over at our project site called projects.opposablepodcast.com. We also have links in our show notes, which we'll have a bunch this time. So that should be really good. And we also post cool stuff to our Instagram account, which is opposable underscore podcast. We would like to send you an opposable thumb sticker. If you share a podcast episode on social media or rate us on iTunes or it's in smoke signals or some other cool thing like that to let people know about the podcast, we will mail you an opposable thumb sticker. Just contact us on Instagram at opposable underscore podcast or at our email, which is opposable podcast at gmail.com. And shout out to Wolf Mask, who designed our awesome Neon Thumb Wrestlers logo, uh, which is what is on our sticker. We'd like to give a shout out to Adam Mayer, Deb Tetra, Blondie Hacks, Nick Kantar, Walter Kotanu, and David Bellhorn as our top Patreon folks. Uh, thanks to all of them. If you'd like to join them in our League of Patreon supporter badasses, please go to patreon.com slash opposable thumbs to sponsor us. Anything you donate really helps. Our podcast is dedicated to providing a harassment-free experience for everyone, regardless of race, gender, age, sexual orientation, disability, physical appearance, body size, knowledge of subject matter, or religion, or lack thereof. We actively support an inclusive environment, and we want you to be a part of it. Jen and Alvaro, do you have anything that you want to share? Any cool stuff that you would like people to know about, including and or including your podcast? Yeah, we have the Unnamed Reverse Engineering Podcast. We're on Twitter at unnamed underscore show or unnamedre.com. And I think I have unnamed.show now as well, but we'll, I don't know when that'll, <laughs> where that goes. Um, yeah, you can find me at on Twitter at Alvaro, P-R-I-E-T-O, <laughs> Alvaro Prieto, <laughs> at Alvaro Prieto in... Um, uh, what else? Oh, I have alvarop.com. I post some projects oh, there, but nice. eventually all the cheesecake controller stuff will be on there. Um, I have links to videos of presentations and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. That's- and you can find the podcast pretty much anywhere you would find any of your podcasts oh, yeah. these days. Yep. Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher. Did I leave out one? Probably. I think we got them all covered. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe even we have Pandora. Um, and then I'm Jen Costillo. You can find me at RebelBotJen on Twitter and RebelBot.com. And I think that's about it. Nice. Uh, yeah, I think the only uh, link I've got this week is um, there's a uh, a couple more weeks left to apply. Well, I'm not sure what the period is, so check it out ASAP if you're in Chicago or when it come to Chicago, but the uh, Chicago Public Library has this great little maker lab at the Harold Washington Library, which is the giant sort of, um, you know, the big one downtown Chicago. And um, they uh, have a really well-funded maker in residence, which pays $6,000. They want you to be there uh, 10 hours a week for, I believe it's 12 weeks to interact with 
patrons and then hopefully to make a really awesome project that relates to the um uh, all of the you know the collection and the research materials and so forth found at that library so if that's up your alley check it out oh, i'm good. having trouble getting the link to load this moment but uh, with any luck that'll be resolved in the next hour or two and uh, we can just post it right up in our show notes so check that out so so I had a thing I wanted to share, but my bookmarking service website is down. No. So I'm going to take, I'm going to take <laughs> oh, that. No, this service fail. is not available. Please try again later. So I'm, I'm going to take that as a sign that I don't have anything to share. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we'll just keep it moving. Mm-hmm. Well, how are you going to beat okay, Sonic yeah. Boom? I mean, you kind of. Yeah, that's it. You, un- you added a whole family that's member. Right. Yeah, cute puppies. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's time. Jen and Alro, for us to receive your oh, challenge. please. Oh, God, we didn't talk oh, about uh, this. Yeah, we did not. <laughs> Off the top of your head. It's a free it on the, on, on, yeah, on the mic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are so prepared. Uh, do you have, a, like, a song in your head? Nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <I'm> gonna... <laughs> Sorry. Yes, and Alvaro. Okay. <laughs> How about you count to three and, and both of you say the word that comes to your mind exactly at that moment? Does it have to be just one <laughs> no, word? You, it could be a whole sentence that comes okay. to your mind at that moment. I I got it. I got it. I got it. I'm got ready. It. Do you want me to count? Yeah, yeah. You count. I don't think it's going to matter. I'll count one, two, three, go, and then you guys say it on go. Ready? Okay. okay. One, All right. two, three. Safety backwards. dance. <laughs> <laughs> Backwards now, safety wait, dance. This is fascinating because we previously had a challenge, which was, uh, Rob, what was it? It was like a, a backwards oh. poetry in reverse, right? Or something like that? But, yeah, let's see. Oh, I like this way of coming up with it. It's just what like that? roll the, the yeah. eight ball. Uh-huh. <laughs> Our other challenge was episode 14. Mm-hmm. And it was in reverse dance That's poem. Was, yeah. And now our oh, challenge no. is backward safety yeah. dance, which is... The most close. amazing overlap close ever. Get, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like completely like yeah. through random. Yeah, like, we did. Yeah. Through a random act, we got really close mm-hmm. to a very other really wild title. So that's great. Right, Jen and Alvaro, thank you so much for being yeah, on the podcast. On it was show. super great. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. It was a lot of fun. No, no more. I've had enough. Ugh.